if I could only apply that to my personal a, a five second delay filter <laughs> on the things you say. Yeah, that, that might help a lot of situations. That would be a skill that uh, would be where I could teach. I could bottle that. Into hey, this is Lawrence Lewis, and this is Sister Christian. Today is Thursday, November 19th, 2020. This is the Producers Happy Hour. It's a weekly podcast with two producers on opposite coasts. Christian's in New York City. I'm in Los Angeles. And we're exploring what it means to be a good producer while still navigating this pandemic. As we work to keep our crews safe and our industry working, now more than ever, it's important for us to keep sharing our experiences, our ideas, and how it's going on your sets. So share your stories with us. Are you working? If you are, how? How are you keeping your crew safe? Email us at producershappyhour at gmail.com. And please rate the show on Apple Podcasts. Like us. Like us. <laughs> share the show with your friends, your colleagues, your family members. I mean, everyone. We want these stories to be heard. Yes. So, Christian, episode, what are we at? 79. This is the second to last yes. episode this year. I know I'm very I'm I'm sad but I'm excited like it's both. We started the show in a very completely different way than <laughs> than it was than the way it turned out. Uh, we sure did. We we kind of just scrambled to get something out when we realized our entire industry was shutting down slowly but surely. We went we just like let's do this daily cuz we're not doing anything else. Let's talk to everybody we know and find out what's going on. And we just threw the show together. But uh, yeah, we actually do have a format that we want to follow. It kept us very close to our community. It did. And I, I, wouldn't, yeah. change, I wouldn't change it for the world. I wouldn't change it for the world. That was that was a very interesting few months. And um, we learned a lot. And, we, and it feels like it's a few years ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, and then I, I'm very excited about today's interview. Yes, me I too. I um, Karen Lowe, she is very outspoken. She's definitely a younger generation than we are, and it's refreshing to be able to get that um, the outlook from an office PA right. because they see things completely differently than you do. Exactly, and that's the one thing that we set out to do on this podcast was to interview everybody that's on a film set. Yeah, we're interviewing office PA Karen Lowe and listening to her point of view on how things are being handled yeah. in terms of coronavirus <laughs> and you know what works and what doesn't work. And, and honestly, she talks about your mother. Yeah. So we're <laughs> there's a teaser for you guys. Yeah, exactly. Very much looking forward to hearing that interview. Yes. So the cases are climbing and oh. we're in some weird, odd presidential non-transition. It's a very odd time right now because, listen, I can sympathize with 45. I have had many a 12-day stints without wanting to leave the house. I get it. <laughs> yeah. But you got to just rip that Band-Aid off. Yeah. You know, get back out there because what he's doing right now is nothing. Ugh. And we need help. We definitely need help. Yeah. I mean, numbers in LA, numbers in New York. I mean, they're going up. I just saw yesterday posted on CoPros that you're out of trucks. Oh, really? Yeah. I, somebody I posted like, job, I need a truck. So. Everything is just, everything is uh, sold out of trucks. I mean, the town is busy. It's, it's crazy rock and busy. roll busy. It and when is. you're when you're sold out of trucks, that's a oh, huge yeah. indicator. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully the numbers are. <laughs> we want we want the job numbers to go up and the coronavirus numbers to go down. Unfortunately, we're still in reverse mode. I think. I think so too. Yeah. I mean, there's no talk in New York yet about like dialing things back, except for putting some sort of curfew on restaurants for 10 p.m. as if. The virus knows. But then all of a sudden, the schools shut down. Yeah. 
Oh, believe me, I've heard a lot of back and forth and read a lot of back and forth about it. And it just doesn't, just doesn't make sense to shut down the schools in New York. I mean, I understand what's happening. Yeah. The kids aren't getting sick, but what they are doing is bringing it home. And that is what's building the numbers up. Oh, uh, okay. And so it may be safe for the kids to go to school for themselves, but what they're bringing home has been slowly creeping the numbers up. I see. I just, I, I feel for that single parent whose only outlet is sending their child to school so that they can work. And now they're back to like yeah. having to be home again. How are they going to? And then a lot of kids don't eat unless they go to school. Yeah. None of, none of it is good. And a friend of mine posted, it's like, how dare you force my kid out of class before closing down bars and restaurants and gyms. I mean, there is there is something to say to that. I mean, that is a good question. It does impact small business, but then it impacts kids who are, you know, families that are relying on that free lunch uh, every day. And it also, kids need to be in schools. And, and Kids need to be in school, yeah. it turns out. And also, we're going to have a lot of new restrictions here in Los Angeles starting I heard. Friday. I have a little list here. Outdoor gatherings are going to be limited to a maximum of 15 people for three households. I don't know what that means or how, I mean, I know what that means, but I don't what know how that's. What algorithm is that? I don't know how, that, how that's enforceable. <laughs> right. Then the 50% capacity limit will be imposed on restaurants, even with the outdoor space. Mm. And then personal care businesses and offices down to 25%. And then I think. Is that going to affect filming? So far, I've not heard anything. And I did a little research right. this morning to check in on that. I think one of the things, you know, if you if you really look at it, we're kind of closely tied to construction industry. Yes. It, it's just in terms of the way we work, right? Yeah, Everyone especially the prop department. <laughs> it's like moving day every day. You box everything up, you you unbox it. <laughs> exactly. And then also carpentry. Yeah, the, so. grip, the grips are hammering. People are <laughs> exactly. moving stuff in. So I think we're kind of tied to that. So I'd be watching for any sort of freeze on construction, which, gosh, with all the lobbyists behind and all the money behind it with all the developers. Yeah, I don't no. know if that would ever happen. That never even happened the yeah. first time. Unless we see something happen there, I don't think anything's going to happen with the film industry, mm -hmm. except maybe they might have to start limiting how many people are on a stage. That's how it was originally tied to New York was building occupancy. Yes, exactly. 50% of building occupancy. But some of the stages can have up to 900 people, quote unquote, uh, before times. So it's more about how space is laid out. And if you can have 50 people in a space mm -hmm. that are all can be socially distanced at a time, then yes. There you go. The other thing we have going on is a curfew as well, 10 p.m. Yeah. Restaurants, bars, wineries. <laughs> sure. Again, so I feel um, deeply, I mean, when I saw this, I, I thought of Scott Craig like right away because I know he's got the yeah. Silver Lake, the bar, and yeah, yeah. I know they've been doing like outdoor stuff in mm -hmm. the parking lot and just probably getting into a groove of yeah. making money again. I know. Or breaking even or hell, I don't know. what. Yeah, just at least making something happen for the community. Yeah, I think that that's going to have to probably change. We also have kind of an advisory in California for traveling in. I think I saw somebody posting about it in WearSpot. There is an advisory asking people for non-essential travel to self-quarantine when you arrive for 14 days. Mm -hmm. It's not a mandate. It is not a requirement. Right. It's not being enforced. It's just an ask, an advisory and also, it's only for non-essential travel that is considered tourism or recreational in nature. Essential travel includes work and study. 
And that is not included in this advisory. Yeah. And I, I do know that they've, light, they've loosened the 14-day quarantines. You can test out a quarantine now in New York. But that's a mandated quarantine, right? It is. And I think that you to a penalty of $10,000 if you're caught. Mm -hmm. So um, I did see that you also mentioned outdoor capacity will be limited to 50% for card rooms, outdoor yes. mini golf, go-karts and batting cages. So I did not realize that you had some mini golf. Yeah. Because the next time I'm there, we need to be fucking mini golfing. <laughs> I'm, I'm a champion. It's an outdoor activity. <laughs> But I wish I could find my local <laughs> card room. That's what I want. Well, you know, Christian, my, my backup career is being a card dealer, a blackjack dealer, I don't, a poker dealer. I'm ready, man. Let's talk to somebody yeah. and go to Joshua Tree yes. and just start our own, like, mini casino. <laughs> I love it. All right, guess what time? We're bringing segments back, Christian, right? Yes, we are. It's time for tip of the day. Oh, yes. Tip of the day. My tip of the day. And I don't know if it really is a tip because I think it's just more of a conversation I want to have with you. But it's about handling onset test results. Oh, that has been diff differently handled every set that has differently been handled. Point. So test results, anybody's test result, it should be protected by the HIPAA compliance laws, right? Yes. They are not information you can share. So for producers... When, you know, you are getting people tested, whether it's onset or offset PCR in advance or however you're going to do it, you really aren't. Well, you're not allowed to say um, you're not allowed to hire somebody based on whether it's positive or negative. Right. Some companies are saying uh, your hiring is provisional, assuming you pass a test. I don't know how that flies under the quarter, under the rule of law, but... I think that um, under the America Disabilities Act that you can't hire somebody based on whether they are they have an illness. I think there is a way of complying with that by still paying them for the day. Like they yes. were they were hired, they were booked, you pay them out, but you ask them not to come to set. Right. But then the also the issue is is us not being medical professionals getting <laughs> getting the results from the lab. <laughs> And if yeah. you do have a positive, even if you have a negative case, sharing that information, how do you how do you share the information? I think I've told my my teams to say you're cleared for work. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. But then if there is a positive test, either before the shoot or on set, this is something that I kind of came across it, and it needs to be addressed with your testing team and your CCO mm -hmm. how to handle a positive, even if it's a false positive. Right. I mean, that's something you got to have like nailed down for sure. Yeah. You need to have a plan in place and not only a plan of like, of course, they're going to take a second test. And if that's positive, then you send them off set right, to go but, get a PCR test. But, but how just do you, imagine how freaked out the person's going to get. Exactly. And how do you handle that information and how do you ask them to not share the information until until, you know, further testing has been completed? Because on both of my jobs. But you don't want them to go start crying in a corner. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And you also don't want to create unnecessary panic on set. Right. So I think having having those plans in place is is critical. And also contact tracing for after the fact. I'm not sure what um, you're doing in California for this, but when people go and test pre-job mm -hmm. and do a PCR test, do you just believe them when they say, I tested negative or I tested positive? Yeah, we can't demand to see their test results exactly. on paper. No. So at what point do we know that they're actually testing? Mm -hmm. 
And the onset testing, like I've always tried to have, you know, a separate area for it, but there's times when there's not a separate mm-hmm. area for it. So you've got a tent right outside the door yeah, um, that isn't very private and people lined up. And then while one person's being tested, somebody pokes their head and goes, am I clear yet? And the nurse is like, yes, you know, it's very loosey goosey. Yeah, exactly. So that's, that's the thing, you know, on my next job, I'm going to try and control a bit more is how mm-hmm. those results are handled. Can I say too, this is just a personal confession on my part, but because I've done so many jobs, I've allowed that to be managed and then have realized afterwards that it could have been done better and that I need to have more of a hand in it. And that frustrates the shit out of me because I don't, I'm not a medical professional. I know that I'm the one in charge. Don't get me wrong, but the protocols change too because of what we're doing and are the per job. Yep. This is very hard to navigate. It's very hard to navigate. And this is is why I'm bringing it up because Christian, same for me. You know, the the, the testing on my last job is miles above the testing that that I had on the previous job because now Mm -hmm. we have these companies just have it all in place that the the onset rapids antigen tests are way more accurate than they used to be. Oh, yeah. But still have false positives. Well, yeah. I mean, you can expect unless something is 100 percent accurate. Yeah. Then you should you should expect that you the possibility and have protocols in place for a false positive. Exactly. And honestly, we've touched on this so many times, but until we get a solid handful of jobs under us, you you just aren't going to think of everything nope. to do until the thing happens. So yep. there's no blame here. It's just about that's a great tip. Like that's something that you have had happen twice, mm-hmm. and like having a tighter protocols is. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Tip 1A for me is also don't don't <laughs> joke about positive results no. on set. No, j- treat it like it's a bomb at an airport. <sighs> don't talk about it. Don't joke Sorry. about it. Don't tell your crew, tell your PAs. Don't joke about it. It's just not funny. Right. And people hear it on a whim and they think someone's hiding something and then it causes panic. Again, I can't I can't tell you how excited I am because it was a lively conversation that we had. And I don't know, I, I definitely learned something for sure. Yeah. But before we do, we made a page on our website with anti-racism resources for you to educate yourself on the issues of racism that have long plagued our society and our industry, as well as a link to actual things that you can do to support the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, I, full... Uh, Full disclosure, I would like to revamp the page. And that's oh, yeah. one of the things that I'm going to start to work on because it, I feel like it's a little dated, guys. So if anybody has any recommends too, we'd love to get it. Absolutely. But go to our website, producershappyhour.com. It's the do the work tab. We also have the take action page. And I ordered Lawrence my 250 postcards for oh, Georgia. I'm very excited right. that my state is has the potential to stay blue. So where did you where did you get the postcards from? Postcards oh. um, to swing states. Postcards. Okay, great. All right, it's time for our interview. And you know, as we said when we started this show, we want to interview everybody, uh, and it's important for producers to be listening to everybody above the line and below the line. And like you said, a lot of times, you know, is assembled by thinking about department heads and everything else just kind of trickles mm-hmm. into place. But a good producer should be listening to even the office PA or even the craft service person to understand how 
the things you do as a producer affect them in their jobs. Exactly. And think about how long it's been since you were a PA or yeah. um, I was a PA. And yeah. I and I'm definitely I want to know how we can run a more efficient set. And that is absolutely by listening to every single person on it. Yeah. So Karen Lowe is a New York-based office PA and sometimes a coordinator who has worked in production for the last two years. As of her last TV commercial, which is currently on air, she is also technically a hand model because she's got the cutest little hands. <laughs> yeah, it was a SAG thing. So good awesome. for her. All right, let's take a listen. So Karen, thank you so much for joining us. We'd like to start by asking how you're doing, how's your family doing, where are you located I'm located in New York. My family and I are all in different parts of Brooklyn. We are all healthy and I'm not working the same amount that I was before, but I'm still working like as much as I want to. Oh, that's great. That's good to hear. I know New York, it's been pretty steady for those who want to work, basically can't. Yeah. And the time off, I am in like a relatively stable situation. So I'm like, I don't really care if no one calls me for a week. I'm like, it is what it is. <laughs> so you're not actively looking to work every single day. No, but I would say that the work like finds me and I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> that is a very good position to be in. And I think, you know, we all kind of learned during the initial kind of quarantine period or safer at home period was that, oh, our time kind of is valuable mm -hmm. to us. <laughs> so not running from job to job and stressing out about the next job is actually yeah. kind of a luxury to have. And it's good to kind of remember that. It totally is. That is how I feel like that's why I'm so calm about it. Because otherwise I have the situation where if I have a lot of people asking, then I say yes a lot and then I'm like exhausted. Exactly. Right. Because you don't want to disappoint people or... It's a freelance mentality of work will never come again when it obviously keeps coming. Yes. <laughs> it may just yeah. be slower. It's still there, though. And so how has it been actually going back to work since the uh, kind of forced hiatus? Have you noticed anything kind of shifting in the way you execute your job in the office and on set? Definitely something that I deal with now just from a logistical standpoint is handling the meals and how everything related to that, like you'll never have like hot lunch the same way again. And now I have to think about every single person and like talk to every single person. So logistically that has been way different and it definitely like adds to my, the amount of work that I do on any job. I mean, that's a job in and of itself, in my opinion, just handling the food these days. And are you just talking like office lunches or you, like special requests, second meal? Office lunches, set lunches, just like every meal has to be thought of differently. On my last job at the stage, when I had to buy like just snacks, I had to go look for individually wrapped packaged things. Right. You could just put out a big bowl of chips and <laughs> yeah, everyone put their hand in it. <laughs> That's a like I bought That's a, yeah. a bunch of bananas and I was like, should I break up these bananas? Well, yeah, because I think that you're also blending part of the crew who believe in stuff and the other part who don't understand why we're being so cautious. So though, you know, you have to actually make it all the same so that everybody can adapt to it. But then when you have to actually do like, say you have 15 people and catering mm -hmm. doesn't make sense, then you have to walk around 
and get everybody to order their lunch in a hour and a half like collecting those orders are horrible you're you're like a you're like wait yeah like all the data collection elements Mm -hmm. have increased you're also dealing with a bunch of dads sorry everyone (laughs) (laughs) but you're basically dealing with a bunch of dads you're like what let me take a look at this i don't know do they (laughs) yeah i'm like you could you could take the ipad you could take it now you could just hold it you could just take it Oh God! Oh jeez! I'm timing you. Oh. You have three minutes. Pick your luck. <laughs> Aside from food and that kind of thing, have you noticed any other responsibilities change? Are the hours different? Are you being asked to like do stuff outside of your normal scope of tasks pre-pandemic? I would say I've been like pretty fortunate that the people that I'm working with now, we all know each other pretty well, and they don't ask me to do anything that is like out of my scope. And I and I work with people that like if you ask me to do something, then like, I know how much you need it. So like, I'll roll with it usually. Do you feel like you can voice your opinion of like, this doesn't feel like something I should be doing? Yeah, I would say that I'm pretty direct at work. Like I start Mm out shy at the beginning of a job, but like, I'm pretty vocal, like after the first day. Good. (laughs) We all have to look out for our own personal health and safety. And, you know, this industry is kind of the one it's like, swimming with the sharks, right? You do exactly what you're told, no questions asked, and that's just the job. But now it's like, hey, I don't feel comfortable, you know, going to five stores to find this thing, Uh, you know, it doesn't feel safe. So hearing that you feel comfortable with your regular kind of circle of teams, you feel safe that you can say something like that if you need to. Yeah, the PMs and the producers I work with now, like, they're all just like good. And I have a lot of trust. And I would say, like, a lot of the budgets have, like, room for me to, like, take an Uber. Oh, good. Oh, well, that's interesting because in New York, we're technically not supposed to take mass transit if we don't need to. But do you get booked for in-person jobs or is it a hybrid of you working from home and then also working on set or? It's mostly the jobs I've done are, like, I prep from home and then we have a couple Mm -hmm. days on set and then we wrap remotely as well. Well, so what's that like? Are you expected to be like an immediate answer for every text that happens between the hours of like yeah. 6 a.m. and 10 p.m.? Like, <laughs> you know I what have I mean? <laughs> been on mm-hmm. jobs like that where as soon as the first text came out, then I was just like up and running. So there have been jobs like that. Yeah. I would say also that it's hard to detach yourself when you work from home for that reason, because it's like, you're not in an office, you're not in your workplace. So like everywhere is your workplace. I think that just comes with working from home. Yeah. Which sucks. Yeah. It sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Just to put a finite point on it, it sucks. Cause the moment you answer those 730 texts, because you woke up and saw it, that means you're available. Yeah. In people's minds that it's not always true, but it, then if you drop out until 830, it feels like, you know, well, where the hell is Karen? Yeah. Right. Taking a poop, walking her dog. What's happening? <laughs> <laughs> but that said, the working at home, the expectations I feel like from above me are that you're working at home. What's the big deal? Yeah. And so I try to, you know, at least qualify this. Like, hey, I'm just sending this right now, but please don't answer it until the day Up starts. Up and at it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I try to qualify shit, but. I had a job where I had to do a physical wrap by myself. So I was just like sitting on the floor of my living room, printing stuff for a binder. Oh my God. And the wrap was. That's really so gross. Um, wrap <laughs> files were like really small and the binder I still had to get. I still had to be three inches. So I was just putting like 
10 pieces of paper in like a giant binder. Then we had to ship it. And it was so pointless. And I was like cutting myself on the paper. There was like blood on it. (laughs) Oh my God. Very sanitary. That's another question. It's like everything is digital now, right? Time cards are supposed to be, it's not like you can take the piece of paper and walk around and get people's lunch orders. You really just need to not have people handling things in a safe way, right? That was a joke about the blood, by the way. There's no blood. No blood. No blood. (laughs) Perfect. No PAs were harmed in the making of this rap book. All PAs were harmed in the making of this rap book (laughs) mentally. (laughs) Put a disclaimer on it. But now everything's digital. It just must be, you know, like chasing again, crew members who have been doing it a certain way for 20 years down to get their paperwork is a nightmare as well, which it falls on you. A lot of times I'll give someone the option of getting like I'll print out a copy of a time card for like one person and then they take like a dark picture that's on their knee of the time card. and that's how <laughs> I'm guessing, and again, I don't need any hate mail over this, but I'm guessing the third grip or the prop master's assistant <laughs> is the one. Careful. <laughs> Careful. Careful. Okay, guys. Sister Christian rocks at gmail.com. Okay. <laughs> well, So I also, and listen, this is, again, you can say this in general terms or specific, it's up to you, but I've been very curious about the role that has popped up now of like virtual video village managing Mm -hmm. and having to sit in a place that you, you know, haven't been before. And it's usually relegated to people who are treated differently or more special. And then you're sitting there now on their Zooms, listening to all of their conversations and everything that's going on and managing it somehow. I mean, that feels a little bit out of the scope of what you're normally doing, right? Definitely when I have had that task, it will take me out of any other office PA thing I could be doing Mm -hmm. at the time. Like if I could be in the production office, like helping the coordinator, helping the PM. Learning how to do those things. Mm-hmm. Instead, I have to just monitor the meeting. And that's, you have to have something that's like totally separate. Mm-hmm. And basically my team and I found that out on the job where I had that person. <laughs> right, you can't do both. <laughs> yeah, you cannot do No both. way. That said, it's, it usually falls to a smart female PA to do. And I know that you're smart and capable. In my opinion, there's more nuances that you can't. It, it's that old verbiage of just get a PA to do it when it's that's right. not what you need. I have to admit, I've not heard of this happening. It's beginning uh, to become a thing, I've heard. Really? Yeah, because agency producers don't, they have like this many clients that are all over the country and then all of their team and then like two creatives show up and then all of a sudden you have a 20 person Zoom, like who's managing it? Another thing right. that was really irritating at some points during a shoot day and during it was like three shoot days is that I had the MiFi attached to the iPad and sometimes someone would pick it up and walk away with it and I'd have to chase after them with the MiFi. Oh jeez. <laughs> when they were t- when yeah, they were talking about no like literally be like low to the ground and like running around ducking behind them. So <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> it just <laughs> That's great. Because I can see that happening. Oops. Yeah. Could you stand still, sir? Yeah. No, because you need, you're a you client or keep, agency or a director. You need to keep the Wi-Fi in place. Yes. <laughs> Let me slip it in your back pocket. <laughs> Karen, I, I would, I'd love to know where you kind of stand in terms of your own personal health and safety. When you started going back to work, did you 
hold much fear about getting sick? Were you more protective when you first started going back to work about your own health? Or are you just confident and cautious and doing your thing? I would say that right now, I mostly feel that I'm doing my thing. And that's also because I work with people that I really like and who are also really conscious of my safety and well-being and and the safety of the crew. And if I didn't feel that way, I would not be comfortable working and I would have a totally different response. My first job after COVID, we were like measuring the table six feet apart for lunch. And we were talking about Uh having like a silent lunch and everything that we talked about then we still talk about now. Oh, wow. That's good. That's good because I feel like I've noticed on sets things are becoming more lax and it's a little bit hard to continually, even after this long, knowing that the crew is working the way they are, continually remind them to have their mask on or to, mm-hmm. do, I mean, stop talking while your mask is off, that kind of shit. I will say also the stage job that you and I did together, that was the mm-hmm. first like in-person prep that I've mm-hmm. done since we've been back. Well, I have a I have an important question for you. And this is one of the things I was very curious about from you. We feel that a lot of this change that we need to do or the way that we work, we should be getting opinions from everybody on set, how we can be doing it better. So I would love to know if you have any advice or anything that you would do different that you would like to tell producers or PMs out there, or because producers and PMs are not doing what you're doing something that they should know about what you're doing so they can be more prepared. I would say one thing that people still do that everyone should know about is people still take down their masks to sneeze and people got to stop doing that. That's disgusting. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And everyone should know that when your mask feels different (laughs) texturally, it's time to change it. Yes. Fresh Uh masks. Yes. That's important for sure. I mean, is there anything specifically that from your job that you're finding difficult that it would be good to pass along to people? Because, you know, I know how annoying lunch orders can be. But since I've not, I've been removed from your position for a long time now, just thinking out loud. If there's not anything, great. Got it. But if there is, we would love to hear that from you too. Like, I think that the same way that you send out the COVID questionnaire, you should send out like a food questionnaire at the beginning of the job and to find out if they have any restrictions and just have the results be like automated in your Google docs instead of having me deal with it by like (laughs) daily. (laughs) That's not directed at you. That's just in general, but I had to text like 70 to a hundred crew members. And I also had to save those people on my phone. So I wouldn't lose track. Oh, right. Because who's this 347? Could have been 20 people on your Yeah, it could have been like OCP or background. (laughs) My God, how many people are in your phone now? (laughs) And the moment you delete them, you know you'll work with them again in a week. (laughs) Yeah, so the dietary restrictions element of the job into Google Doc is my recommendation. Like everything about doing everything with a certain amount of speed, because like, if you have to get people tested, you have to know right away where they can go. And if you have to bump up the food, you have to know really soon too. So everything is about like doing it faster and efficiently faster every time. I think. Mm -hmm. Here's a side question. How many jobs are you on that test people? Is every single job that you're on, do you get tested? No, I think I was only tested on my recent job. And then my last job, we just took the symptoms questionnaire every day. And I think the talent was tested. Interesting. I'm hearing both. I'm hearing crew Mm -hmm. members who say that, God, I've been tested three times this week. 
My friends that work in TV, they get tested, I think, every week. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's pretty standard. People that have gotten tested, I would say a lot more than I have. but Right. Because it's not required in New York, but it feels like a safe thing to do. I think it, requirements could be becoming more strict soon anyway. So we'll see. There is a meme in like one of the production groups that's like, it says like the COVID test and the test just says, do you have COVID? Yes or no. Uh, i don't think so uh no no i'm good i'm good the testing on set thing is an ongoing conversation because of the rapid ones aren't as accurate as the pcr ones that take two to three days to get results and you get false positives then what Mm -hmm. then you got a delay because you got to send someone somewhere else to get a backup test and doing the pcr ahead of the shoot who knows what they're doing in between those two to three days before the shoot actually happens. So yeah. it's still, it's not an exact science. And so I do know some companies that ask the crew to stay safe, follow all these recommendations when they're not even on set and honor their crew yeah. members by doing that. And they don't test because of those kind of flaws in the testing system. So it's good to hear that most of the things you've been doing have been tested. So, Karen, we talk a lot on the show about systemic racism, especially since, you know, earlier in the spring summer when the protests started happening after George Floyd was killed. And we want to keep that conversation going because, you know, we're in this strange era of kind of rewriting the playbook of our industry and a lot of aspects of our lives. So we're wondering if you're comfortable with it, would you mind sharing your experience as an Asian woman working in a kind of predominantly white environment? Overall, I would say it's always more comfortable for me if I'm one of like two or three instead of the only one, but I am often the only one. I think that some people are aware and some, you know, are completely clueless about this. This The only thing that I can relate to is that I know what it's like to be the only woman in a room when there is nothing but men. That is just the tip of an iceberg. Then when you layer in, you know, minority or race um, layer to it, then it just becomes even more complicated. Right. And so I think that it's good to bring the awareness out for production teams to understand that you are in charge of the hiring. You can hire whomever you want. So why don't we try to mix it up a bit? That way it becomes the norm. And people are more comfortable in where they're working. I'm not sure where to start, but I have plenty to say. Listen, we're also two white people. Right. Asking some, <laughs> asking, asking someone their experience. People who don't understand. And then I'm, I mean, and then uh, it's not your job to teach us. But what we are asking is if any of your experiences might help somebody else who is in your position, um, we would love it if you could share them. One of my first jobs back to work, I was at a production house where the editor and I shared a lift back to Bed-Stuy. He's like a 25-year-old kid from Bangladesh. And as soon as we were alone, he wanted to know if I had ever worked with any other Asian DPs, directors, and if just how many... Asian people I've worked with in general in production because he has never seen another Bengali person and the closest he ever got was an Indian producer. And I also happen to know a producer who is half Indian, just randomly. Mm -hmm. But I did have this moment of like, I 
was just in the, the car with this kid that I didn't know at all. We had met basically like on the car ride home. And just because we were like alone and he had the chance to run into me, he like wanted to know everything about every job I've ever done. And, you know, just like how many of us are out there. So the conversation, it ended up, it definitely is like bubbling, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, it's amazing that he felt comfortable enough around you, but I'm sure he saw how like outspoken and confident that you are. So that's why he confided in you. I'm assuming. I think one of the things that he and I connected on and were around the same age is that to be in a creative field as a minority is somewhat unusual. And like in my family, my parents would be totally happy if I had just worked at a bank forever and that would be totally fine. So for me to work in TV and commercials is Mm -hmm. super unusual. And it is for this Bengali kid too, who is like a really successful editor, even though he's like 25 or 26. Well, yeah, I mean, you can be good at what you're at, good at, no matter the age. And I, yes. I firmly believe that because some of the best directors I've worked with are in their late 20s. And it just, it, given the opportunity, you can be really good. It's just about getting the opportunity. I right. And I think that sense of being able to see someone have that opportunity that, that looks like you or you see yourself reflected in the people around you that are working and are professionals. I think that is so important. And obviously he kind of reached out to connect with you in that way of saying, Hey, do you ever see an Indian people out there, you know, being successful because being able to see yourself reflected in the culture of the industry is so important to make it feel like there is an avenue for you. You are needed, you are valuable and you are cared about. And I think hearing about some companies putting that forward and trying to make crews and staff reflective of the populace. It's great that that's now a conversation. Like you said, Karen, it's bubbling up. I hope that everyone like knows people of color in every department, you know, like I Mm -hmm. also, I worked with one black producer Mm -hmm. who is in his early thirties. And he says that to this day, he is mistaken for like the tech scout driver and he is the producer. And he just looks like a young black kid. So he's right. looking for anything on set, but not the producer. Wow. And I will say that yeah. on his jobs, we work with more black crew than mm-hmm. any of my other jobs. It's a conversation that I have with every director when I start the job. We are the ones who hire people. Let's discuss the positions and the people that we're hiring and how we can broaden the people that we know. And as early as three years ago, it was no thanks. And now it's just like, yes, let's have this conversation. Who is outside of the realm of the people that I know? And I think it's important to have that because, you know, introducing creatively a different look that is not just the norm is amazing. And the norm, the default is white, as we know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So white out there. Karen, thank you for sharing that with us. Aside from that, or including that, again, we're in this weird era of redeveloping what we do Mm -hmm. in this film production industry. Looking from your position as mostly an office PA, is there anything you'd like to see change about the industry as we kind of rewrite the book? I would say just in general, do what you say you want to do. Hire more women, hire more people of color, find out what you don't know. Find out what you don't know. That's it. (laughs) 
(laughs) Diversify your teams. And if you have white guilt, use it for good. Mm -hmm. Oh, I know. I have so much. (laughs) 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 And it's true because, I mean, if you're going to have it, then you should put it to work. That's the missing step. That's the missing step is don't just sit there and feel like you're not doing something. Why don't you fucking do something? Yeah. Yeah. Don't be a do nothing. <laughs> this is the profound shit that it took and us. If you can support <laughs> and abide by casual racism in your life, your mom is a hoe. That, you know what? That should be written on the bathroom wall right now. That's going to be the <laughs> teaser for this episode. That's going to be the teaser for this episode. <laughs> Karen, okay, we have one more question for you, and then we're going to let you go. So um, this can be anything. It could be life. It can be job. It could be anything. But what do you miss? I miss, like, eating crab boil with my friends in this restaurant on the Lower East Side. I just miss Wait, is that on Orchard Street? Is that the one on? Yeah. I love that. I used to, when I was dating, I used to take folks there as a first date. Because, because you know, uh, because if they can get dirty in front of you, then. On the like, first date. It's worth oh, it. Oh, smart. Just relax. And, <laughs> and I can. It's either wings or crab oil. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good miss. That's a really specifically good miss. I want to get like tattoos with my friends and we can't all be in the tattoo parlor at the same time. You know, like I want to travel. Aww. I just want to do everything. I want to travel. I want to like swim in blue water. Communal pools. (laughs) (laughs) Swim in a lagoon somewhere far, far away. Somewhere as an American and not have my passport be rescinded. And (laughs) (laughs) we have to all get Canadian passports. Yeah. Um, Well, thank you so much for spending time with us today and being so candid, because I think that the only way that since I'm so removed and, you know, a lot of us are so removed from the position that you have, we don't always think about how important or what or how stressful or how what we're asking you to do um, and how it affects you. So we really appreciate you being so candid with us and honest. Yeah, we've spent a lot of time talking to other department heads about Mm -hmm. how they feel about COVID and how their jobs have changed. But it's just as equally as important to be talking to PAs for us producers to understand what it all looks like from your angle. So thank you for sharing. Definitely. And PAs are definitely like the labor force of the crew. Mm -hmm. So I think that PAs are taking the most risks because they're doing more than uh, or or in more contact with people. So thank you again. This is very informative. Yes, thank you. Karen's great. Karen's great. I know. And so she's got a lot of big energy. Yeah. And that confidence comes from knowing yourself and understanding Mm -hmm. that you are important and she is. And so I'm so glad she was able to spend some time with us today. Yeah. Find out what you don't know. (laughs) And don't be a do nothing about it. Yeah. And your mom's a hoe. (laughs) (laughs) oh so refreshing inserted some youth here (laughs) yeah so lawrence the show is edited and co-produced by rob blinky artwork and logo design by christopher daniels and our music was composed by kyle puccia thanks for listening everybody we're not back next week we're taking next week off for thanksgiving i hope you are too We'll be back the week after that for our last episode this year before we take a break. With some very exciting guests. Yes. Stay safe, stay connected, and stay active. 
wash your hands, don't touch your face, clean your phone, it's disgusting, and wear a mask. Hey, you know what? Turns out wearing a mask helps. It helps. Be sure to send us your voice recordings, your stories, your suggestions, your thoughts. Email us at producershappyhour at gmail.com. Lawrence, how can people reach you if they want you? LawrenceTLewis.com or for voiceover work, voiceoflawrence.com. But you sisterchristianproduces.com. Bye, y'all. Bye.